Hello and welcome to the Sovereign Collective Podcast, where we bring you real raw truth for your self-empowerment. I'm your host, Sasha Calavota, and I believe that you can stand on your own two feet, but that you don't have to do it alone. I love learning from people who continually strive to raise the bar, to go against mainstream thinking, and who dare to question the general consensus. People are risking ridiculed or even risk the loss of their professional status as they bravely question the common narratives and challenge the rest of us to expand our minds and to reconsider what we think we already know. Join me in learning how to take control of your health and your mind so that you can have the energy to think more clearly and the confidence to step up and take responsibility for all aspects of your life. We promise to never censor here because I believe you are strong enough to hear the real raw truth to make up your own mind. If you like what you find here at the Sovereign Collective Podcast, then please share with your friends and family. I so appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. And now on to the show. Hi, y'all. This is Sasha here for two quick announcements before we get on to our interview for today. First of all, if you are looking for quality supplements, quality tonic herbs, some specialty food items, and you're in and around Calgary, then please go check out Lotus Herbal Health, a great family-run store that has two locations in Calgary. You can find them at lotusherbalhealth.ca to find out where their locations are, or you can shop online and they will pretty much deliver anywhere. So quality supplements, tonic herbs, great staff, check out lotusherbalhealth.ca. Secondly, I want to announce the relaunch of my program called Your Conscious Pregnancy and Parenting Guide, which consists of experts in their fields around the world on consciousness and parenting and education and nutrition and dentistry and homeopathy and more. This is a program I created after my son was born about 10 years ago, a little bit more than that. And I am now very concerned after the events of 2020 for our future generations. And I believe the time is now for conscious parenting and for conscious parents to rise up and take, to take back our pregnancies and our births and our parenting and the resilience of our children and of future generations. The time is now. We change the course of history by changing the course of our future generations. And we do that by consciously raising them, consciously birthing them, consciously conceiving them, feeding them good food, and taking back the responsibility of raising healthy, well-adjusted, robust people. Resilience. It's time to build resilience. So please go check out sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide, and you will be able to check out all of the amazing material in there. It's time for us to understand how our worldviews are formed, how our self-views are formed, and how to impact that and how that impacts the society on a whole. So check it out, sovereigncollective.org forward slash get the guide. And now on to the show. Hey everyone, it's Sasha here for another interview for the Sovereign Collective Podcast. Thank you for joining me. And today I am here with a wise woman. Her name is Sherry Strong, and she is somebody that I've had the pleasure to start to get to know just very recently through an organization that we are both working with locally, which is also an organization on a grander scale that to create a better future together. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. But why I wanted to interview Sherry is because, well, she has a whole lot of experience behind her, but she's also doing some really important work currently with the Children's Health Defense and just has a passion for getting to truth and helping people with their struggles and coming to real solutions for people in different areas of their life. She has she has so much experience. I don't really even know where to start. I mean, she's overcome her own battles with sugar addiction. She has been a personal chef. She's done coaching. She's talked 
talked on worldwide stages, world like stages the world over, shared the stage with some pretty prominent people. She is now working, as I said, with Children's Health Defense, with Life Force Canada. She's actually recently been in the care of a new little baby, another story there, like so many things. And such, this is a woman who is living with intention and who has also overcome a lot of, let's just say, there's been color in her past, shall we say. If you want to learn more about that, she might share some today, but also on her Facebook page, she's a very, a very um, vulnerable uh, live that she posted recently about where she's been in the last 20 or so months during this crazy time of our lives that we're all experiencing. So let's do some more specifics here. Sherry was the former Victorian Chair of Nutrition Australia Melbourne, President of Slow Food, Curator and Co-Founder of the World Wellness Program, and sat on boards that consulted on public health policy to the Australian government. She is the author and illustrator of Return to Food, founder of Sweet Freedom Life, and a serial entrepreneur with her most recent business, Living Immunity, which is her new line of supplements that we'll also talk about today. She is passionate about the wellness of humanity and the globe and dedicated to making a difference using the resources and skills accumulated over the past four decades. So I think you're really going to enjoy this interview. It has so many possibilities of where we're going to go. So thank you, Sherry, for joining me today. Thank you, Sasha. I, um, I actually feel seen. You know, some people read bios and some people actually see you. So that's a real honor. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. And that's what I do this for, to highlight people doing their amazing work. So thank you for that. That's, that's, that is a compliment <laughs> that I will accept. So, okay, Sherry. So you have had an interesting life, a busy life. You are a driven woman and you've gone through all sorts of, I don't know, experiences in your life. So where do we start? What do we, like maybe talk about your history? I think a lot of people can relate to some of the th challenges that you've overcome in your past to become the person you become and the author that you are and the speaker that you are. So maybe we can start there. Uh, yeah, I don't, I honestly, I'm like, whoa, you're, you're, you know, that expression death and life flashing, your whole life flashing through your eyes while you were reading that my whole life was flashing through my, <laughs> my eyes and, um, I think I, I'm just going to start really intuitively and say that um, I always wanted to have babies. That was my dream when I graduated from high school. Like I actually have dreams when I was 14 years old of feeling this intense, intense love for an infant. And oddly, one of those dreams, I had the baby in a stroller and I was pushing it in winter and the stroller slid down a hill and disappeared. Wow. And when I left high school, my grad yearbook, I said, I want to have a thousand children, you know, <laughs> get me a thousand children, right? Mm -hmm. um, and sadly, that that um, ability was taken away from me in 1988. I was assaulted in Italy and left with an um, uh, internal situation that um, sealed my tubes up. And when I was married, I tried to have children. We tried IVF, tried everything, and I couldn't have children. And if I actually look at the difficulties and challenges of my life, that was my deepest and greatest wounding that I've had to overcome. So when you mentioned that I've recently been able to help raise a newborn um, at you know 54 years of age, that was a pretty amazing gift. Um, yeah, and uh, a, a sacred gift that I don't take lightly. But it um, it was a, a deep sadness for him, but again, it allowed me to do a lot of things I never would have, could have um, dreamed of doing had I had a child and parented in the way I would want to parent. 
So um, I've, you know, I was a chef in great restaurants in Melbourne. I went there on a working holiday um, and ended up marrying, staying, was, I was married for 11 years and stayed on another 11 years and built a, a full multimedia career, um, including the positions that you had mentioned. I had a cooking school and that led to a lot of television. I did seven television pilots over that time wrote for magazines and um, spoke at conferences and basically, you know, was a, a speaker on the circuit. Um, and I branded myself as a food philosopher. I then came to Canada um, in 2011, I returned and it was an intuitive hunch. People said, why would you leave all of that and start from scratch as basically an unknown in Canada? And it didn't make sense intellectually, but I'm an intuitive person. And you know, that voice inside me wouldn't shut up until I actually moved home. And I did. And I started another cooking school and started teaching at the Institute of Holistic Nutrition in Vancouver, started a holistic entrepreneurship program for people who wanted to do some of the things that I had done. And then I published my first uh, physical book, Return to Food, and um, started an online program that help people uh, learn those food philosophies and become food coaches. And, and then as things happened, as you mentioned with COVID, uh, my world kind of tipped upside down because I spent the four years prior to COVID working on a program called Sweet Freedom Life. And I had a business partner who just ghosted the business and I couldn't sustain it on my own. Oh. Um, and so I thought, well, at least I have my speaking work. <laughs> And then COVID hit and that was completely wiped out. And so, as I mentioned in, you know, our pre-interview, I started to make decisions based on fear. So I made three major decisions based on fear and they all had disastrous results. I worked as a, you know, doing private lifestyle makeovers for wealthy people. And I, you know, um, out of fear, I chose three very wealthy, powerful and morally bankrupt men. Um, mm -hmm. to work for and had very different but also you know horrible experiences with that and finally um, my sister invited me to help take care of my parents and um, my mother's disabled she took a fluoroquinolone antibiotic five years ago and almost died heart kidney liver failure and major neurological damage which meant she couldn't walk on her own have the full use of her hands my father couldn't take care of her on his own and so they were about to face going into a home and in this climate yeah. i know people who have parents in homes who are no longer with us because they just shortly after the jab and that was not going to happen on my watch so i moved to alberta from vancouver in the middle of lockdown in the middle of winter <laughs> and started to take care of them and it started me on a journey of what I would actually say true service. And I just kept looking for opportunities to serve. And I found that in taking care of Little Willow, taking care of my parents, then Children's Health Defense and Life Force Canada, and um, speaking out, you know, within the freedom movement, interviewing, you know, experts, scientists, injury victims, and then this business, which I've been working on for quite a while, but, um, it's coming to fruition, living immunity. And I'm literally just serving one client at a time. I'm not trying to do anything grand with it, just serve. So I think that's probably brings you up to date. <laughs> okay. And not doing anything grand, but that's where it starts. It's one person at a time. If everybody would just turn the focus within, 
right? It doesn't take a lot. And, and then maybe, you know, you, you reach out to your experts or whatever, but everybody just turn that on. It can be profound in so long. And that's why I called my um, website, which I haven't really updated in a very long time in one generation, because in one generation, we just look at the way we birth our kids. We, we raise them, like look at your own family and wow, you could make yeah. a big difference, but yeah. yes. So you have your living immunity supplement line now that's live and launched it is it is yeah so let's talk about that quickly first so what is the okay. philosophy behind that and why did you feel the need to bring out another line of supplements uh thank you so um when when i started to see what was in the works in march 2020 because i'd done this consulting to government on public health policy. I knew what was happening in March 2020 wasn't about what they were saying it was about. I just yeah. knew that right away. And I started posting right away. And then I started to research, do a massive deep dive of research. And this concept of building our immunity through injecting toxic poisonous substances into the body right. was so insane to me. It was so insane. Yeah. And also everything in the narrative was about suppressing the immune system suppressing the body's natural function to uh, repair heal you know and thrive so i did this little illustration of a, a needle you know natural living immunity versus toxic immunity and i had all the things that give you living immunity based on life-giving things and then the ingredients of a typical vaccine not even the ones they're producing now which we know are not vaccines and they're certainly not um what they say they are and then I did another illustration. I'm an artist as well. So um, I did another illustration of immunity starts in the soil, really, you know, starts with the most basic things, air, water, soil. And then I registered the name living immunity. And I thought we need to start treating our immune, our whole system, you know, the immune system. I'm a believer in terrain theory. So versus germ theory. And um, I just started to explore what are the things that we can actually do to start building our immunity um, and finding natural, um, organic, you know, really quality supplements. Because one of the things as a, I branded myself as this food philosopher and I was so hell bent on telling people, you know, it's all about the food and, and how we live. And I wasn't a big fan of supplements. So with my media um, profile in Australia, I would be approached monthly, weekly, daily um, for people that wanted me to promote their line of supplements. And I had an openness to try them, but I never felt I found anything that I would be willing to stake and put my name behind, put my reputation behind. And then um, uh, one of my students actually, a former student had introduced me to some supplements that I started to try that were really good quality. And I started to actually feel and notice a difference. And when I moved to Alberta, especially, I, I wasn't able to access organic you know, food like I was in Vancouver and farmer's markets year round. And so the, the ability to get the food that I wanted and, and even the water here, I have to say, it's just the quality is just really terrible tap water. Oh. And we've got fluoride to deal with in Calgary now, right? Coming up soon. Like, my God, like we need another thing to deal with. But anyways. Well, and and that's what it is. It's like um I'm teaching a course right now, and the kind of the first module is literally modern living is toxic. There's nothing in our system that hasn't been compromised. 
from mm -hmm. our air, water, soil to, you know, the things we put on our body, the things we wash, you know, our body with, or, you know, there's literally every single thing on the planet has been compromised and you have to seek out things that don't have toxins in them, you know, and even then, you know, it's hard to, to know. And so I just, I knew that we needed more than the food piece to help, you know, protect us. And, you know, with EMF technology, you know, it's literally everything from the air we breathe with, you know, geoengineering. And so for me, I believe number one, that we have to stop poisoning ourselves. One, stop poisoning ourselves. So, and that's, you know, limit our exposure to environmental toxins and in foods we eat. Two, we need to nourish ourselves. And without those two, supplementation is limited. And I'm not saying, I, I, I've actually seen where supplementation helps people even though they're still ingesting toxic things and they're not addressing the diet issue. But if you actually wanna make the most of your supplement dollar, get the poisons out, start to nourish yourself, and you'll see that they will work far more efficiently. And that's the philosophy I wanted to start it on because these companies that had approached me always gave lip service to the first two things because they knew you know, that while people are toxic and they're not eating well, they're always gonna look for a crutch you know, that will actually help them in many cases participate in the behaviors that are creating the problems. <laughs> And so I actually really want to go to cause and get people to start to remove poisons and not just uh, physical ones, but mental, emotional, and spiritual ones. So I work with people, you know, the clients that I've worked with in the past, like Theo Fleury and Brett Wilson. I, I said, you know, those three physical things I talk about are limited unless you start to remove toxicity mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And when you start to remove them in those areas and you start to nourish mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, making changes in the physical becomes so much easier because you're not triggered as much with addictive responses that, you know, soothe the, the behaviors. Right. Yeah. Right. Getting down to that trauma. And we know, for example, in Theo's past, he's yeah. revealed that there's quite a bit of trauma in there. So that's, that's the same thing. That's what I tell people. You're either poisoned or you're undernourished, probably yeah. both. And there's yeah. also these suppressed traumas that are making yes. you physically ill, right? Yes. So it's those that, yeah. So, and it's the chicken and the egg. So if you have traumas, you're more likely to engage in addictive and toxic behaviors, exactly. right? Mm -hmm. So they go hand in hand. Exactly. Exactly. So somebody wants to look at your, your products are at livingimmunity.com, correct? Yeah. And is that just available online? It is. Yeah, it is. And you can reach out and I do, um, like I said, I'm, it's all about service and it's just me right now. So I'm doing private consultations right now to help, you know, help people get the right fit, not just with the supplements. And often when I work with people, you know, particularly with vaccine injury and stuff like that, 60% of what I recommend is not something I sell. So, um, right. you know, I, one of the things I was really paranoid about is being a person who capitalizes on a tragedy to make money. And I, it stopped me from promoting my, my business for a long time. And, uh, I worked with a guy named Tad Hardgrave. Mark. Oh yeah. I know Tad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And Tad framed it this way for me. He said, well, just tell people, um, this is what I believe you need to do. I don't care if you actually get the supplements from me, just get it handled. And as soon as I started to take that attitude with it, it released me from that, that other, you know, concern 
right. um, and of being perceived. It's, you know, it's a perception issue um, and, you know, related to reputation and all those things. But uh, yeah, so. I get it. Well, some pretty valuable services that are being offered right now. I mean, there's a lot of injured folks and my husband is interesting. He, he does a few things, but coaching is one of the things. And it seems like COVID divorce separation relationship problems might be a whole new area that people yeah. need help navigating. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a valuable service and it deserves a, a fair exchange. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think that that's amazing. So you, are you working now? Do you focus on back injury to some degree? They're coming, yeah, they're coming to me. Um, I'm being referred, you know, clients um, and because I'm interviewing vaccine, you know, injured people too. Yeah. You know, um, I'm now starting to, you know, have people coming because of that reason. But the bigger picture for me right now, and I know that going forward, you know, it's, it's not just supplementation and diet that's going to help with that. There's a lot of healing modalities that will come into that. But the bigger picture for me is that right now with all the environmental threats and just the, you know, the tyranny that's going on, we need to be strong within ourselves. And the tendency for us is to go to addictive substances and behaviors to, you know, make us feel better when, when we're scared, you know, we're uncertain about humanity and, and what it does is all those things do is they weaken us mm -hmm. and we need to be strong. We need exactly. to be mentally sharp. We need to be emotionally, you know, and spiritually strong. And so that's probably my bigger um, desire to work with people is to, you know, to make sure the lions and those fierce mama and papa bears and their mm -hmm. babies are protected and they're strong and they're clear thinking so they can actually make wise you know and strategic decisions for their family and their future right because you know what making decisions out of fear gets you oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> and they the all-knowing they they also know that right people don't make wise decisions when they are in fear they're easily led and they continue to do so so yeah so Oh, I was just going to say just quickly, which is why the liquor stores were always open yes. during the lockdown and, you know, cannabis stores were open is because they could, you know, anesthetize yes. people of and course. weaken them with those things. Of course, it's very numbing. And me working with people client wise or customer wise as well, too, you know, people are putting on the weight, they know, they're drinking too much wine, they're they're needing a little bit extra help to get to sleep. So they do a few extra puffs. You know, and it's really taking them away from themselves. And so that's a really big thing. I love Kelly Brogan's book name, Own Yourself. It's like, okay, people, it's time to own ourselves because you just yeah. watch. It's like they say, yes, they say, go left, you go left, you go right, you go right. It's like, but who are you? Which way do you want to go? Yes. Right? And building that resiliency is such an important thing right now because yeah. they're, they're beating people down. Yeah. So I really appreciate the work that you're doing that way. So how did you get involved with Children's Health Defense then? How did that come uh, So, you know, um, I, when I was 14, I became religious. And um, I, when I left school, I studied to become a missionary. Huh? Um, and then I often joke that um, I discovered the missionary position <laughs> much more interesting than the missionary vocation left religious life and went to practice that position in Australia. Um, <laughs> so the truth is, is after my assault, I'd had such a negative experience um, with the, the organization that I was involved in religiously. 
that I was put off by religion completely. And, and I really, I never found a religion that I could ever go back to that I just felt, I felt right in. It just always, it, <laughs> for lack of a better word, and I don't mean to offend anyone by this, but it had the same kind of multi-level marketing feel to me that I just, it just mm-hmm. didn't resonate with me. But as, um, as all of this happened, I truly believe that meditation and prayer more specifically um, has been a coping mechanism and a tool. And ever since, you know, I moved to Alberta and, you know, moved in with my, my you know, moved my parents in with me. <laughs> um, there's a little t-shirt Willow got that said, I'm still living with my parents. And I thought, well, she actually physically isn't living with her parents and I am. So I um anyway i just started asking you know for guidance asking how i can serve how i can best use my life you know during this time i asked for a safe passage through these challenging times with grace with my family and i kept asking how i can serve and i just kept and kept asking and then children's health defense came up and i heard that there was an alberta um provincial director so I reached out to her and she was actually in my network. Her name is Meta. And um, I said, I want to help. I just want to help. How can I help? I want to help. And that's how it happened. And she's like, okay, we're about to do some videos right now. And I just put my hand up and, you know, great experiences in my life have come from being brave, bold, and ignoring that nagging question in the back of my, my head, who am I to? because I knew there was something wrong about this, but I wasn't a doctor, I wasn't a nurse, I wasn't an epidemiologist or a virologist. So I kept using that excuse, who am I to speak up? Mm. And I really admired Meryl Dory, who's um, a part of Vaccine Choice Network. She's the head of it in Australia. Love her, love her personality. And I kept thinking, I can do that, I could do that. And so I started to do the interviews for Children's Health Defense, and then that voice started to go away. You know the voice of you know what can i do how can i serve and who am i to do whatever um but i just kept asking the question and then i just keep doing the things that make that voice go away amazing yeah and that's what they want right it's like these days i literally got into a an argument on facebook which is completely not worth my time about like this person fighting to leave it to the experts to don't do your own research. We just have to live. It's been done. It's been done. The debates are over and the research is clear and the science is clear. And, and, and I'm trying to tell this person, you have every bit of the ability to vet the science and the research and to use your critical thinking skills and to decide. And she's like, really, I wholeheartedly disagree. And it's like, well, I can't have this conversation. This is. Well, she's not the right person to do that, but I've interviewed top doctors and scientists and I posed the question to them I said right now well I didn't pose the question I I made a comment and they couldn't disagree with me I said there are truck drivers you know and waitresses who've done far more research than top doctors and scientists who are are pro-vax and these are pro-vax doctors and scientists that I've talked to and they couldn't disagree with me so there are people with the best educations who are ignoring the science they're um bought and paid for so they're not looking for it they're not gonna never gonna find something they're not looking for and they're never gonna find something they refuse to look for whereas they're earnest smart 
intelligent people who, when they ask the right questions and, you know, follow the research that's not industry influenced, they not only are more educated, you know, they're, um, they're more armed with truth than many people who have a, a financial, you know, and income-based incentive to ignore the science that isn't right. industry paid for. Right. And it's getting to, like, it's getting to, it's beyond a state of emergency, really. But now with the approval of five-year-olds, I mean, who in good conscience can put their name to a recommendation like that? I, I just... I don't even have words to express the grotesque nature of what's going on. I don't even know what to say about it. Like, what is your work with Children's Health Defense digging up around that? Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. Like, we could do a four-hour <laughs> call just on on these vaccines and what's in it. But to go to, you know, the CDC, which has a gross conflict of interest. You know, they own patents on, on vaccines and, and they're tied up all of this. And their own people on a four, over a four hour Zoom session, one of the doctors admitted for every single person they believe is saving, you know, this vaccine, these vaccines are saving, two people are dying. That's their words, not ours. Okay, so we know that millions of people are injured and and on a path to death because of these vaccines and that is you know now we have like lawyers um who i've interviewed thomas renz who um is speaking out about you know the the depth and deadliness of of these shots and you know for children's health defense we know it has nothing to do with health that rolling out these injections for children because children Healthy children are at zero statistical chance of dying of COVID. Only children with comorbidities and were seriously ill died of COVID or with COVID. So mm -hmm. with COVID is, is actually yeah. a better phrase yeah. for it. But like one of the naturopathic doctors um, who, you know, is he's kind of skirting both sides of the, the issue. And I interviewed him and I asked him because he, he was saying, you know, I'd only recommend it for vulnerable people. And I said, so I don't understand we know that these shots are killing healthy people right they have toxic deadly ingredients in them why would you recommend them especially to the vulnerable exactly exactly you know? and and, and there well he was he wasn't actually really happy with me <laughs> you know um and that's that's the you know that's the thing when um when you start to think critically and you're not afraid to challenge people who have, you know, these credentials and, and uh, letters before or behind their name. And you really just lead with curiosity, the right intention and truth. Um, you know, it, it, it reveals itself, it covers um, things and, and who hasn't been deceived? Right. Like I know many times in my life, you know, I've been deceived and I haven't trusted my intuition. And then I've had experiences where, you know, inexplicably amazing things happen when I when I trusted my, you know, intuition. And I think one of the things well, I know for the last few hundred years, there's been a campaign to shut down the use of intuition uh because you can't be manipulated with your intuition if you're following it 
you know, you can, if you're fully in your head and your mind, well, the mind can justify anything. And, you know, people who are incredibly intelligent and have a nefarious agenda can manipulate any, you know, uh, argument. So I believe that it's super important for us to not just work from our intelligence and our, you know, our mind, but to be grounded in three things, our mind, our heart, which we know is like a second brain. So it's not just a blood pump. It's not just a seed of emotions. Um, it's a second brain and our gut, you know, which is, you know, grounding us to the earth and that bodily intuition that has that sense of knowing. I'll give you a little example. Uh, through my infertility and IVF, I had several surgeries, several lap laparoscopies and surgeries. And, you know, I never questioned what they were doing and I never questioned what they gave me. I just took it. And I woke up after one laparoscopy from the anesthetic and a nurse came into the room and she offered me something. And it was, I had this lucid moment and I went, sorry, what is this? And she kind of looked at me cause I was, you know, I came out of this drowsiness from the anesthetic and I looked at her and I said, what is this? And she said, it's coding. And I said, I'm allergic to coding. I stopped breathing. And she said, oh, it wasn't on your chart. And she went over to the chart. It was on my chart. Oh. And had I taken that, I would have fallen right back, you know, to sleep and probably in most likeliness not woken up. But, but I, I, and I just listened to my intuition, my body. And I didn't, I didn't abdicate to the nurse who said it wasn't on you. You know what I mean? Like I just, I had that moment. And, and there've been a few moments in my life where I can draw analogies of that. And I think this is where you know, as a species that's been driven out of us. And what we need to do is, is to tap back into that and reintroduce that, you know, and act based on not just your intuition, not just your heart, not just your head, but the combination of three, we were given these amazing gifts. And if we use them, I truly believe, and particularly if we're united and we use them, we yes. are an incredible force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's what I tell people. And if you're not, okay, you're not looking at the facts, but just stop and just feel like, what does your heart say about what's going on? Who gets to choose who you get to go, who you get to hug or who you get to have for dinner or where you get to go? Like, yes. where are the adults here? This is what I don't understand. It's like, you're waiting for mommy and daddy government to give you permission. What? Yeah. 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 And just, and just the I mean, we know, we know what makes us healthy. We know it's community, it's purpose, it's providing for self, it's real food, it's air, it's exercise, it's movement, everything that's being restricted. It, it's it's yeah. not rocket science. So And so here's here's the kind of the line of where we are as a species. We have been fed this, and I it really I kind of uh, combine it into germ theory versus terrain theories, like friendly universe, unfriendly universe versus friendly universe. Mm -hmm. And in the the unfriendly universe at the germ theory um it's all about you can't heal yourself you know um mysterious diseases come and get you those those responses of your body like a colon cancer are terrible things that you have no control over they're not healing mechanisms of the body right, right. and we can help you don't trust yourself take this pill you know eat this food doesn't matter what you eat we have a pill to treat any symptom that comes from that friendly universe is i have this amazing tool healing body that just has incredible power 
to heal and repair itself. And nature has all the resources. Should I actually be low on this or get sick or it has everything I need to actually heal myself. But here's the thing. The unfriendly universe is highly addictive and it mm. requires no self-responsibility, no hard decisions, no discomfort, right? Well, that's not true discomfort, but discomfort isn't, you know, taking action yourself. The friendly universe is all about self-responsibility and accountability, and it requires effort. It requires work, and it has way bigger rewards, but it's it's the, um, <laughs> the unfriendly is like the no interest, no money up front, <laughs> you know, get whatever you want and uh, pay for it later, Right. whereas the friendly universe is you work to create the resources you do the work and you get the results and you can heal and you can have this beautiful life but those things that you're choosing aren't highly addictive they might have good feelings on the other end of doing the work but they're not highly addictive and so we've been seduced into this addictive no responsibility world and it's not just in our food and our health care it's in our monetary system in our family system you know um video games, porn, you know, gambling, you know, all the addictive things versus choosing, for lack of a better word, I don't, and I don't mean it moralistically, a virtuous life, you know, a life that you can truly be proud of, because you've chosen that you've worked for that you've built that. Exactly. And that's what I tell people, do you want the substance or the, uh, the, whatever it is to choose you? Or do you want to choose it? Who's boss yes. here? Right. Yes, and that's the thing. And exactly. the, 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 the other way, the self-responsibility way, it has vision. It has longevity. Whereas the other one is just immediate now, now, now. And we can see right now, even with people capitulating, even people that know how disgusting yeah. these shots are, they're capitulating because they booked that trip or, yeah. you know, like, it's like, you haven't traveled for how long you can't just you know, work for the freedom of humanity for just a little bit to, to do it so that everybody can have what we all have the right to have rather yeah. than just immediately you need to go and do this now. And this is, this is what we did with that instant gratification, yeah. right? And that willingness yeah. to, to, to get uncomfortable. A lot of people aren't doing, they're uncomfortable in other ways, right? There's a lot yeah. of discomfort, like you said, but the uncomfortable of putting that effort in and challenging your ideas and your thoughts and your beliefs around what you think the world is, and then just changing your lifestyle, maybe, maybe, you know, stepping down that lifestyle. It's, yes. it's, it's, it's and shocking. This brings me to a really um, important uh, philosophy that I teach called the consumption con concept is, and it's based on the fact that right now, most of us, and even, even myself, you know, I teach this, I'm moving in this direction, but most of us are living in a way we could never sustain naturally in our, you know, if we had to depend on us and our family to sustain. So a simple example is, you know, we'd all eat very differently if we had to source only our own food ourselves, right? If Absolutely. we had to grow from seed and, and produce it, we would use our water differently if we had to haul it, right? We would build our houses differently if we had to source all the own materials for it. And certainly if we had to heat it ourselves, you know, and so it's calling on us this and this whole, you know, system that we're living in right now. I actually, um, I can actually see this predatory class looking at humanity and saying, they're not going to change on their own. So we're going to have to force them to change or eliminate a lot of people because the earth, 
you know, if it said, you know, 11 years ago, the World Wildlife Living Planet report said that if China wants to live like the United States, it's going to require seven planets of resources, right? So wow. for most of our, you know, life, we've grown up and said, you guys in, in those third world countries live as we say and not as we do. And so they're now starting to develop that. And you can see it's highly hypocritical of the predatory class, you know, because they're not willing to do it themselves. In fact, they're like on the opposite spectrum. And in order for them to live like they want to live, they want to reduce the population to 500 million people, right? right. So the, the, this whole time is forcing us to look internally and live, like Gandhi said, live more simply, live simply so others can simply live. Yeah. You, know, um, mm -hmm. you know, this, this idea that we're all going to have 5,000 square foot homes, you know, on a planet is it's not sustainable and drive big trucks, you know, um, that's not a sustainable plan. Um, but if we do it, there are studies that show 40 billion people can live on this planet sustainably when they're living in harmony with the earth. But the problem is, is that we become so addictive, addicted to this consumptive lifestyle that it, it almost feels like it's going to take a massive, you know, terrible thing that happens on the earth for people to actually look at, look at themselves. And one of the things I was, you know, sucked into was the whole Greta Thunberg thing. And oh, I went to one of the marches, Greta Thunberg, you know? Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. So I went to one of the marches and I had a big canvas sign um, that said, be the change. And it had wings on it, you know, and I, I went around and had all these felt markers and said to people, what changes are you making? And for most people that I asked, it was like you were shining a light into the the you know eyes of a deer they were like what do you mean us we're here to protest the government to make the change <laughs> and it's like <laughs> that's not how it works right no and that was, no. that was an eye-opener for me is that most people were going there angry at the government for not making a change driving there in their big trucks you know eating you know whatever before and after and not taking personal responsibility Right, and just driving the big business that is causing so much of the harm in the first place in all sorts of areas of whether it be food or fertilizer or I don't know, gaming, whatever, right? They're just yeah. consuming. You're right. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the thing. Yeah. And I I we have friends and one one woman, she's an environmental scientist and and we got it when this all started, we were definitely on different sides of the uh, opinion, shall we say. And she was like, and I'm an environmental scientist. I'm like, but you don't, you're, 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 if you don't know about genetically modified foods and how that is destroying families and land and the foodscape and the wildlife, like everything, then I'm sorry, then you have not done your work. Like, how are you concerned about the environment? And you don't know the impact of that on this planet and its people and its animals, everything, its microbes, everything. And can I tell you, our university system, feeds that that whole situation and problem that you just they they in all all sectors of education it is it's not set up to heal the planet exactly. in university and anyone who thinks independently so if she was to actually present a paper to her professors on glyphosate and genetic modification chances are she would not have done well in university i remember when i was first studying in at deakin university in the early 90s 
I um, was sitting in a lecture on dairy and I'm looking up at the slides and on the bottom right hand corner is the Dairy Corporation's logo. They had made this slide <laughs> and the professor was presenting their slides and I'm looking around going, does anyone else see a conflict of interest? <laughs> and when I would write a paper on dairy and the, you know, I, I remember that uh, professor, I said, what about the mucus forming properties of dairy? Oh, Sherry, I think you find that's largely psychosomatic. And then I wrote a paper on it and there were lines through pages. So she wasn't even willing to open, you know, her, her mind to even reading it. She just like, this is not the narrative. You're not going to pass this, this class if this is what you're trying to do, if you're trying to think oh. critically and independently. Right. So, yeah. and that happens many many people in many institutions they have to suppress their natural intuition and critical thinking and lie you know uh, go against their inner knowing and soul to get a degree and they know they learn early on if you don't toe the line you're not going to get a job you know in that industry and things aren't going to go well with you if you fight but then and but then they succumb that's what i don't get and then it's like it's such a self-violation yeah right like they're violating their beliefs, their true nature, their everything. And then it's like, they forgot, you know, they seem to forget over time. It's a, it's a conditioning. And, and the thing is, is if you can get people to continually sell out their soul, push down, suppress that intuition, when it comes to saying job or jab, it becomes, you know, much easier because you're already conditioned and primed for that. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, it's a horrifying state that we find ourselves in. So coming back to that and coming back to your work with Children's Health Defense and your interviews, are you interviewing anybody that have been, people that have been impacted directly one way or another with getting a uh, said jab? Yeah, yeah, so I've interviewed people, people who have had loved ones who've died, um, people have been injured themselves, took it because they wanted to care for a family member, ended up, you know, injured themselves, a firefighter took it because of family pressure. Um, and recently I interviewed a man who lost his 35 year old wife who was perfectly healthy before um, the first jab. They were doing sprints around their local track. You know, they have a gym in their house. They're inseparable. They have a, a had a health practice or he has a health practice They that she run with eight different practitioners. And after the first jab, she started to get sick and weak, uncharacteristically, couldn't get off the couch, couldn't think right. Um, he got his doctor to do blood work on her and sent it to her doctor. And her doctor just ignored the blood work that his doctor said he's never seen blood work like this in his entire career. And the doctor said, no, you're fine for your second jab. And five weeks after the second jab, she died um, from liver and kidney failure as a result of the, the injection. But the doctors tried to convince him that she was a secret alcoholic consuming a 26 ounce or more of vodka a day. And he said, I think I would notice that in my wife. And when she got, got into the hospital, there was no withdrawal. So uh, mm. the nurse, the head nurse in that department, he said, there's no way that that's alcoholism. <laughs> there's no way you could drink what they're saying and not have any detox system. And the doctor said, well, she probably stopped drinking the two days before. And the nurse is saying, that's not a two day detox. <laughs> yeah. And, no. and um, 
and even though she obviously had no alcohol in in the hospital it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse even though the liver he he was willing to give her you know half of his liver to help and wow. you know they were a match and and they wouldn't they wouldn't allow it because they said she's an alcoholic um what? i mean it was so not only did he she unjustly die thinking that she was doing the right thing for her her customers and also there was a you know personal reason they wanted to travel but now these doctors were dishonoring you know her as a as a person and because none of them wanted to admit that it was related to the jab and that's the thing is that there's so many things wrong with what's going on but the dishonoring of the lives of these people and how they lost their lives and everybody's so much on their mighty high horse saying die to covid save everybody from covid 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 i hate even saying that word really yeah. but yeah. then as we lose one person to this and we're covering it up or lying about it we won't acknowledge it like it's such a dishonoring of these people that did the right thing which is shocking because they seem to be so health oriented yet they you voluntarily go put an experimental mix of foreign whatever. I mean, the, the stories that come out are more horrific day by day about what is yeah. being found in those things. Yes. I don't understand. Like they, they made that choice. The doctor, how does he go home to his family if he has a family or even live with himself, ignoring what was in that? And then after all that, you still go get another one. Like I, I like it's a horrifying loss. I don't want to belittle that in any way, but I don't understand how then you go and do it again. It, it shows the level of, of programming and indoctrination um, that people are under this spell of, of the medical profession. And that's happened over, you know, centuries um, where we, we don't question, we trust, you know, blindly. And, you know, it's a mixture of things. It's not just one thing. We have, yeah. you know, the idea we want to do well. We want our practice to be good. We've been told that we're you know, protecting other people by doing this, even though it's completely, there's no proof of it. Um, and we have selfish reasons, like we want to travel, go to restaurants and don't want to have our natural rights restricted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the thing that um, just came up for me, you know, is the reprehensible thing about this with children is that children are at zero risk, right? You know, here in Alberta, not one child died of COVID and we have no record anywhere of a healthy child without any pre-existing comorbidities that died with COVID. So now we have plenty, plenty of deaths of children who were previously healthy dying post uh, injection and, and many more who are actually crippled or um, have myocarditis and God knows what we, you know, coming down the track there, they, they admit they don't know. They haven't done proper studies on children to understand, you know, we won't have even an inkling properly in five years. But we know that already children are being maimed and being killed by this. And when they're at zero risk of dying, the the level of, of evil is incomprehensible unless you're a sociopath or a psychopath. You really, you can't understand oh, it. Exactly. And until you understand that it is a depopulation agenda, it is a control agenda, it's it's the only time things make sense because without that kind of explanation, nothing makes sense. Nothing has made sense. You know, the science that they're using, you know, all the things that you just mentioned don't make sense. And I always say when it doesn't make sense, you can bet it makes a lot of dollars. 
Wow, <laughs> that's a good way to say it. Absolutely. So back to the children, then, do you know of any statistics in Canada and Alberta, like what's going on? I know we went away first when we went away one day, we found out a, a local kid under 30, I think he was 12 years old, died of an asthma attack. I'm like, you know what that is. And sure enough, I know we got it. So yeah. what are the statistics that you're hearing about Children. So in Canada, it's super hard. I'm just hearing stories of people, anecdotal stories. You know, um, I heard from my mother. So a friend of hers reported that in a colony, some kind of colony, I don't know if it was Hutterites or whatnot, mm -hmm. um, but two days post jab of jabbing that colony. And I asked her, I said, Oh, sorry, you, you just cut out for a sec. Sorry. Oh, After they, they jabbed it, then you cut out five people died within how long two days two days two days five people died and i asked her the source because i was like we need to find a source and he said it's a personal friend of mine who lives in that colony told him that five people died so the and the problem is the canadian reporting system is far more corrupt than the american reporting system at least in the re american reporting system they have 11 different adverse reaction reporting sites here in Canada, it's one, only doctors can do it. It takes 45 minutes plus for them to do it. They don't get paid for that time. And every injury they report, they're kind of marked on a system. Yeah. And what also happens is that they can file a report as an earnest doctor and the reporting system will actually phone patients and say, sorry, we're not acknowledging that it was a vaccine injury. You're fine to get your second shot. Wow. Um, so everyone's saying oh that's just anecdotal you know what you're saying is just anecdotal i thought that's really interesting when it was covid and you were talking about your sister's brother's girlfriend's husband's wife mm -hmm. it was data and it was proof they died of covid exactly. but i know someone personally that died two days after the shot and it's anecdotal exactly so unfortunately we're in a lawless society right now and we have to do that thing where we need to start to trust our eyes how many of us have said, I don't know anyone who died of COVID? Mm -hmm. Don't know anyone. Um, but I sure as hell know a lot of people who have died post-jab. Right. And, and more. That's, yeah. I can't wait for government statistics no. to protect ourselves and take action. Well, and they're not going to come out. They're lying. They're denying it. They're not even, right. you, if your kid stays home from school and didn't get a test, it's assumed to be COVID. So there's a, a rise in the numbers, yet that kid does not get myocarditis from the shot that he just got like a week ago. It, it's just beyond horrifying. And it's really important to understand how they seed and plant information. So right now they're talking about polio symptoms in kids, right? They're planting. Yeah you know, this information to say polio and polio like symptoms are breaking out. So you need to take the vaccine for children five to 11. Like really you're using that exact five to 11 before the vaccine rollout so that when they get vaccine injured yeah. and they have polio like symptoms, <laughs> you can blame it on polio and not the actual jabs. And, you know, they do all kinds of things like that. And I saw something today that I thought just to be clear, there are no five to 11 year olds, you know, there's not, not a bunch of five to 11 year olds presenting with myocarditis right now, just so you know. So when they do, and this does happen, oh. um, just, just know <laughs> it's not happening now, but once they roll that out, 
Yeah. They can't blame it on anything else. You know, there yeah. was a woman in, in the United States who went to a Walgreens to get the flu vaccine for her two children, a four and five year old. And the pharmacist actually gave the children full adult doses of the COVID shots and they both have heart issues now. So, um, well, look, I, you know, the, the level of corruption and injustice is so massive. The only thing that we can do is to become fierce mama and papa bears and protect our children with all of our might. I tell you, if I had school age children right now that I was responsible for, I was in charge of because I'm the parent, I would not have them in the school system. I don't oh, trust no. them. No I, yeah. No even way. if even before COVID, what I've learned about what's happening education wise, there's no way I'd have my children in that. My and son is, are, I was just sorry. gonna say my son is 12. He's never been to school very intentionally. Never. Yeah. No way. It's just a propaganda brainwashing institution to create repeatable and um just behavior that they're gonna know, they're gonna understand, right? They're gonna not there. What's the word I'm trying to say? I can't even think Program. of it. But program, but they're going to know how they're going to respond to different situations, right? This is what they're just training in these children. There is no way in hell my son would ever be exposed yeah. to that. No way. Yeah. And even just the level of COVID indoctrination, there's like these six pages of COVID information yes. that kids fill out that it's, it's pure propaganda. When my sister's granddaughter, the first day of school this year, she said five of her teachers showed her, showed the class COVID videos and vaccine videos and two of the teachers showed two videos and teachers were pulling students aside who weren't vaccinated to convince them that they needed to get vaccinated they don't need to tell their parents and that it's safe yes and, you know it's like to me wow you would not want to be a teacher if you told my child that no no yeah. it's unbelievable so somebody has an adverse event here has a story of yeah. death or whatever is there a way to do you have any recommendations on how they can report that or how they can share their story well i'm interviewing uh victims of injury or family members of people who have died post-shot um so i'm definitely happy to get their story out to the world and i can do that anonymously because some people are really afraid um and whatever way you know you choose to have your story told i promise i will honor and respect your wishes and i will honor and respect you know the the person who has been injured or has passed because of it okay good so we'll put a link down there people if you have a story to stare a story to stare a story to share <laughs> then we'll put you in contact with Sherry so that you can potentially get that out there because this isn't a, like, this is not a time to be quiet and and if you've lost someone I mean you've got nothing to lose like if you've already lost a loved one I mean what else do you have to lose Let, let's let's help somebody else prevent the loss of another loved one and I would really encourage any medical professionals who know about what's going on and even people who work at hospitals who know and have you know evidence of what's actually going on this is not going to go away by you being silent and even if you can tell me anonymously, I will get your, your word out. It is our silence that's contributing and our complicitness that's, that's making this go on. There are a lot of people who were silent about what was going on in hospitals because they wanted to keep their job and they thought if they were just quiet, you know, that these mandates wouldn't come through. No, it was actually your silence that allowed these mandates exactly. to actually come through. 
Exactly. Yeah. Because you're silent, because you comply, it continues to move forward. Yeah. Yes. And there's little ways that you can you can do it and you can help and support the movement and you can start to build courage to come out just even having a conversation with someone like me or or you, Sasha. Um, and the biggest thing, the piece of information I think is most important for everyone who's listening to this is to quash that voice in you that says, who am I? Because I promise you, if you're stirred by this, if you're moved by this, if you're feeling, you know, something, you know, about this that is wrong, I promise you there's something that you can do. There's a conversation you can have, you know, there's an interview that you can forward. There's a cause you can actually fund. You can support people in their businesses, you know, who are actually stepping up to, to be vocal about this. There's so many ways that you can act that you become part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Exactly. Exactly. And it's going to take all different forms of, of yes. participation, right? So maybe you're yes. not going to be one somebody who's speaking on a stage, but maybe you have funds, maybe you have other resources, maybe you have spare time. There's so yes. many other ways to contribute to the cause because I really don't know. Never mind the current, like the youngest generation right now. What is the next one going to be like? And is there even going to be another one after that? Like when you look at you know, an indigenous culture, they're thinking seven generations before, seven generations after. There is no way at this rate that there's going to be a seventh generation, not one that's natural, that's naturally conceived eating natural food and is healthy. There is absolutely no way. So this is what we have to look at, people. This is the future of humanity on this planet. And if you don't understand that or see that yet, and you're not understanding that message, then turn off the news and look at the people, listen to the people that risk their credentials and maybe even their lives to tell you things that they are not benefiting from. I think that's yeah. a really good clue about worthy news yeah. source. Very important. And the other thing is, because um, I often get people phoning me up and saying, Sherry, how can I survive this? You know, how, how can, you know, I survive? And I said, well, number one, you're not going to survive this alone. You can't just take care yeah. of your yourself and your family and get through this we need to be connected we need to be united we need to be doing this from a place of love we need to find people who have our back and in order to find that and feel safe within that you need to be the kind of person who has other people's back yes yes and so that's where maybe we could talk a little bit about life force canada unless there's something else you want to talk about let children's health defense is there anything with that work that you, what are what are the important messages around that work that you're doing because i know you feel deeply for it so what yeah. anything else that you want to talk about around that um i just want to show you something this is completely self-indulgent <laughs> okay Look at that little one. Oh, that's her. That's Willow. That's Willow. Aww. Okay. Yeah. Um, Willow's actually the result of uh, residential schools. So oh. she belongs to a family with history that, you know, that healing, we talk about seven generations, just the residential schools alone will take more than seven generations to heal. Mm -hmm. So we have the greatest inheritance that some people take for granted that just comes through their womb, you know, in their body, through their sperm, right? Uh, we just need to be really thinking of them and their future. And you don't have to have children to do that, you mm -hmm. know? Um, and there's some way that you can help and support 
uh, yeah, that you can help and support. So go to childrenshealthdefense.ca, uh, join our newsletter, help, you know, help support us spread the interviews and the videos. So that's what I would say about that. Okay. Thank you. And such important work. It, it's just, and they don't just talk about VAX, right? Like children's no, health defense is, no. is concerned with anything that's causing harm to children yes. in any way. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So, important the other work. question you asked, I'm sorry, I forgot that. You were oh, no. And I was just, okay. Well, I was thinking because what I made me, it made me think of Life Force Canada because you're saying you will not do it alone. And this is the big thing right now. Community is so important more than ever before. And this, and they know this. This is why they're separating everyone, right? Yes. And keeping people yes. working at home alone and not spending time with their friends and loved ones and family and whatever. So Life Force Canada is an organization that both you and I are a part of. You've been there longer than me. And we're, it's an org organization that's looking to build a different world. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, I am a, a member of Life Force Canada and Sasha's, you know, we're on the health and wellness committee. We're developing a strategy and a plan for a true healthcare system here in Alberta. And obviously, you know, we want it, everyone in, in their own respective provinces are doing that. The thing I love about Life Force Canada is it's incredibly positive and it's not just people vision boarding about the world we want to live in. We are on committees. We are developing resources and strategies and plans for every sector of the world right now. So if that's, you know, family services, you know, healthcare, um, policing, you know, uh, media, you know, food security, every single area, we have committees and people working on the ground to develop plans and strategies and resources now and leading into the future to build a world that's actually built on serving humanity and not corrupt uh, organizations and governments. So it's, uh, and I, I said to you, Sasha, that, you know, even if, you know, the world is, you know, taken over and life forces taken over by nefarious forces or whatever, I will never regret the time that I spend in there because I am spending active time, not just talking about it, but mm -hmm. doing things that are building a better planet and future for our children. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, yeah. and that's what we need. Like, we're going to look back on this time with horror. The, for those of us who didn't do anything, we're going to look back and say, wow, I could have done something and I didn't. And what are we going to say to our kids? We're going to say, to our, are there going to be great grandchildren there to even hear from you? You know, that's what I... Oh, just think about the kids from a child advocate advocacy perspective. I am just shocked mm. at how little there is. And, but I know, but there's, but it's, it's like you said before, it's, it's in, it's tied to so many factors of I'm not good enough. My voice doesn't matter. And all these other things, despite even if someone feels that there's something wrong going on, yeah. they might be gagged for other reasons and not necessarily because they believe what's actually happen what being what yeah. we're being told and and with life force canada i think what i'm well no, i don't think i what i'm seeing is that people from all walks of life are being heard and their contribution is valued so doesn't matter what the letters you have before or after your name you know or the numbers in your bank account if you come to this these these groups there are think tanks and committees and all kinds of ways that you can contribute that your critical thinking, that your pure intent and your hard work will be valued over any experience that might be, you know, um, 
seen as as uh, higher up, you know, someone who's higher up than you. It's that going back to that thing about their their truck drivers, you know, and you know, garbage men right now and women who are actually more educated on issues than people with the the letters before and after their name. And yes. you will find a place where your voice is valued and there'll be a job for you no matter what. Exactly. So check that out, people, because it's really daunting to think like people can't fathom creating a whole new way of living. It is so big. But when you're with this massive group of people who are self-organizing to, to, to create it, it really takes the load off a little bit and helps you vision what could be possible. So that's lifeforcecanada.ca. Is that what that is for the Canadian? I believe it's lifeforce.ca. Okay, lifeforce.ca. I'll put that link. But I, um, you may want to check that. <laughs> okay, I will double check that know. for sure. And for yeah. those of you in Alberta, there's an Alberta contingent and there's one for, I think it actually goes globally, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yeah. 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 So definitely seek it out. And if they don't have one in your area, start it with you know some friends you can actually start it you know yeah there you go and that's what we need to do we need grassroots efforts the world over and just create this wave of creation right creation okay and so are you taking new clients now you are working like i don't even know how you have time you like the baby <laughs> and life force and like your your company like how are you doing so are you seeing clients right now one-on-one -on -one? you said you have this unity what did you say? Unity life? Oh, um, living immunity. Living in unity. Yeah, living immunity. So I am absolutely taking clients and seeing clients. Um, and I, you know, uh, I do a wide variety of coaching from food coaching to sugar addiction, you know, helping people um, see sugar addiction uh, and, and building up their immunity. So, and vax injury. So all of those things I'm doing. And it's really interesting. I, I am busy with all these different things, but I'm crafting it in a way that it just kind of flows into one another. And my, it, I feel my weeks filling up beautifully instead of stressfully. And I see what it feels like as I just go from one thing that fills me up to another thing, to another thing, you know, um, and like the meetings that we've had, um, it requires resources, you know, from me to manage, you know, and, and try to, you know, take care of people, but I get so much out of it and I'm so inspired by the people that I'm working with and even my clients, you know, um, so the, um, fellow who lost his wife, I've checked in on him at least five times, you know, yeah. and we have conversations. So I, I really, honestly, Sasha, I found my salvation in service. Um, oh, I've never beautiful. been more happy or proud of my life. You know, I've, yeah. there was a time in my life where I was picked up at you know, airports, you know, in limousines, you know, with the card and the people. Wow. <laughs> and now I'm like finding my way through a park and with a baby in my hand, you know, to give a free talk. Um, and I can, I can honestly say that, you know, I've never been more proud of, of what mm -hmm. I'm doing. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, but maybe when you mentioned that guy who lost his wife, do you know of any resources for people that are dealing with loss right now that they can go to? So it's tricky. Um, so I have suggested to him that he serve a notice of liability uh, to, you know, to his doctors, the doctors that actually treated her, certainly the doctor that told 
that saw the blood work and still told her to go for the second shot. Um, uh, it's a process because it's difficult because people um, are grieving, you know, and there's mm. people grieve differently, but um, uh, get in touch, you know, I'll, I'll find the right people for you okay. to connect with, you know, um, but uh, use your use your grief powerfully and so that those you lost didn't die in vain. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then coming back, so I'm, I, I keep having different ideas come up, so I'm bouncing back and forth and back to your philosophy. So what are some of the overarching uh, pillars of the philosophy that you have for creating and building health? Well, I, I look at the longest living, healthiest cultures on the planet. You know, uh, the title from my book that got published, the publisher chose Return to Food, the Life-Changing Anti-Diet. But the title I wanted is Return to Food, How Going Back is the Way Forward. Wow, I like that. Mm -hmm. Thanks. That's <laughs> when, it, when I actually go back to, you know, reprinting it. It's out of print right now. That, that will be the title it will mm -hmm. proceed with. Um, so I believe that everything that we need and want is available to us within us, through us, and in our natural environment. So one of the philosophies I teach is nature's principle. So nature tells us what to eat and the quantities to eat it in by how easily it's obtained in nature. So that which is most abundant, we're meant to have most of, harder to obtain in nature, we're meant to have less of it. And if you cannot get it in nature, not only do you not need it, it's harmful to the body and the planet. So what's good for the body is good for the planet and what's good for the planet is good for the body without exception. And when you can actually start to live that way or the closest, closer you can you know, start to live with that way, live that way, you're going to find that um, you health will be restored naturally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And so I'm not perfect at that. I'm still working towards that. But I, I, I recognize that as truth. Um, and it resonates deeply within, you know, in every, every part of me. And I've been teaching that philosophy for almost 20 years now. Mm. And um, it resonates with a, a lot of people who are completely disconnected from from their body and the planet. Mm -hmm. So, so that's just one of them. Uh, okay, sorry, was there more? Was there more you want to build on that? Oh, I was just going to say there's the consumption concept, which I talked about. There's the Love lethal that. recipe. That's what's making us sick, you know. Um, the lethal recipe, did you say? Lethal. Okay. Lethal, mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, I often, if I'm speaking to Indigenous people, I'll say, do not eat the white man's food. <laughs> <laughs> the, white man, the white man brought you white alcohol it brought you white poisons and it brought you white sugar flour salt oils and chemicals bannock is not an additional uh, uh, an original indigenous food <laughs> it's, wow. it's you made lemons you made lemonade from lemons lemons are much healthier but you added sugar into it so that they you made something called the lethal recipe using the white man's ingredients right mm -hmm. and so it's um Every culture that introduced that, if you look at the work of Weston A. Price, every culture that introduced what I call this lethal recipe, then introduced what we call lifestyle diseases. Yeah. And um, as we eliminate the lethal recipe, we will find that health will be restored. And so referring to the work of Weston Price, like, are you a proponent of traditional foods, traditional food preparation, and, and those overarching principles of the Weston Price Foundation? Uh, so I'm a big fan of the, what you had said about traditional foods and traditional food preparation and absolutely like, you know, the recipes that you um, will find that I advocate and, and do or, you know, they're based on 
the slow principle of sing, uh, uh, sorry, um, seasonal, local, organic, and whole. So that's kind of how I work. But one of the things I stress is that there is no one way of eating. It is the absence of processed food that is the key. So our planet is, is environmentally dependent on us not all eating the same way. Mm-hmm. So you can have a diet that's, you know, consumed in the Arctic, which 80%, you know, that traditional diet was seal blubber. Some of it was raw, <laughs> mm-hmm. not my ideal. <laughs> I often say that, you know, I don't know past lives or future lives, but I know I came to this incarnation for the food, if there is such a thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, chocolate is God's way of saying he loves us mm-hmm. and wants us to be happy, you know. Um, but I'd rather live, you know, 100 years with chocolate than 120 years without chocolate. It's just, I try and find really good chocolate that's minimally processed and actually has nourishing properties rather than is made with refined sugars and chemicals. So the the whole concept of there being one diet that works, I, I would refute that. And different bodies resonate with different foods, but 100% of the human species does not resonate health-wise with the processing and removal of nutrients in our food and the introduction of toxic chemicals. Absolutely. I agree. And when you, when I, when you said talking about the relative abundance of food, but that has changed over time because what used to be there. And then when we started farming and then monocropping and everything, that's really changed that. So how are people going to recognize what's actually supposed to be out there? So, Um, Very few people are living a truly natural life and, you know, subsisting on on uh, what we can obtain in nature and in the wild. And you're spot on in saying that farming is not natural. People say, oh, you know, I grew up with a natural diet on a farm. (laughs) It's like, well, that depends on the farm that, you know, I do know of certain colonies that will grow organic food for themselves and grow conventional food to sell, you know, at the markets. So the farming is, you know, as diverse as, you know, someone saying they're a chef, you know, there, there are chefs who work in prisons who basically open packets and throw <laughs> yeah. them to, like, and there are chefs who, you know, are high end. I've worked in high end restaurants that are, you know, um, doing the most incredible things with food and massive wastage, by the way. And I wouldn't want to eat either of those ways. So um, finding a natural way of eating right now, we, unless you're willing to grow all your own food and kudos to you, if you are, I'm horticulturally retarded. So, you know, I kill things. I, I did manage to grow some potatoes this year successfully and a few tomatoes. Um, but it's, it's not my gift. Um, people say you're a chef. You should, you should be good at that. It's like, no, we're, we're gifted at killing them. We boil them. We, chop them, <laughs> up, we, roast them, you know. we I kill plants. I don't grow them anyway. Um, but that's why we're meant to live in community. So someone else would grow it and I would prepare okay. it. Beautifully. Yeah. So, um, but right now farmers markets for me, certainly, you know, in, in great climates, you know, uh, where they can grow all year round are ideal. Um, but we, we don't live in an ideal world right now. We have to reclaim that start to grow. And in areas like where we live, we have to learn how to preserve our foods and, you know, and, um, yeah, and start to understand what is, more natural and more abundant in our area, what we grow and subsist on. And when you start to do the research, you realize that even in a place, you know, in the middle of Canada, there's quite an abundance that we can actually source and, and produce that's still relatively um, 
natural and will be nourishing, energizing and protective to our body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm a big proponent as well as seasonal. I, I too used to teach that I didn't travel the world like you and I never got picked up in a limo anywhere, but I did do a lot of <laughs> classes and speaking and 2020 was actually going to be a much bigger year for that. And that all got canceled. And I really miss it because I love doing my seasonal talks and talk about, you know, the energy of the food, what's available to you right now. Why are you getting kiwis from the other side of the world in the middle of, you know, when, when we should be having soups and stews. So it's not even just the type of food is how you prepare the food, depending on the temperature, temperature outside and what has recently been harvested, what is freshly growing, what can we do? And I, I really miss that. So I really resonate with that. And I think in that lies the answer People just see it, the simple, simple answer to so many of our global issues with, yeah. you know, the, 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 the transporting of stuff, the, 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 the economy and supporting our local people that care to grow good quality food for us. Like there's so many things the the trashing of the soil and the, and the, the, you know, the polluting of everything. There's so many ways just in that one thing, people yeah. would even choose a certain percentage of their food to come from local people creating good products or growing good food or animals or whatever it might be. Mm. Such a way to make change. And you got to eat. So just switch out and eat. Yeah. I I tell a story in my book called The Crazy Banana Story where um, for most of my adult life, I couldn't eat bananas. I loved them, but I would get a cramping nauseous kind of aching feeling in my gut every time I had a banana Hmm. and when I had my cooking school I got a shipment of you know from my green grocer he would select stuff for me that I ordered and I was gravitating towards these bananas and um, I ate one and it was so delicious it was biodynamic banana and it was so good it was like that perfect mix of creamy and tart and banana flavor it was so delicious and i thought i don't care about the pain i had two more bananas <laughs> so i had three bananas and i had no pain and i thought that's interesting i wonder if it's you know oh actually i first thought i'm over my banana allergy that's great and i went to a, mm. a work do and i had a banana and then i got that cramping horrible feeling again i went ah biodynamic yes conventional no so a few years later, I, um, yeah, I came across a uh, biodynamic banana seller in Queensland. I was living up there for a time. And um, I had one of his bananas and said, oh, that's like that banana I had back then. And um, I said, do you have many people who can't eat bananas? And he said, yeah. He said, in fact, most of my clients can't eat conventional bananas. He said the fellow, young fellow working for me, when he used to eat conventional bananas, he would actually bring up blood. And now he can eat wow. five or six a day and has no problem. And the guys literally, as I'm talking, saying, yep, that's right, <laughs> the fellow behind him. So working for him. And he said, would you like to know why? And I said, of course, I want to know why. And he said, I used to be a conventional banana grower. And he started to tell me about the standard practices that were done in the banana industry and the chemicals they use. But the thing I'll never forget is him actually physically saying, we used to take the same poison used to kill white ants or termites and take that poison and inject it into the stalk of the banana. Oh my goodness. Then once it was picked, we we would spray it as well for chemicals. And then we would dip it in a solution to prevent any funguses or, or spiders, you know, when we shipped them overseas. And I remember the hair standing up on the back of my neck and just going, oh my God, I was never allergic to bananas. I was allergic 
right so the way they were grown right and treated so that happens even our organic bananas can be dipped in a solution and brought over here and um you know it's it's fascinating to see uh animals you know when they're given a choice between biodynamic conventional or biodynamic and organic they'll always choose the organic and the biodynamic there was a study done at the copenhagen zoo where um the monkeys always peeled and ate the bananas and one day the zookeeper got in a batch of organic bananas and he thought this is really weird they're eating the whole banana skin and all so he did a little test and he got conventional bananas put them in one area organic in another area they ate the organic ones whole skin on first and only when they were gone they went to the conventional ones peeled them and ate them so interesting they know yeah and even the little willow i look after um she will uh she will eat bananas when I get them, the organic ones, but her grandma who doesn't, you know, doesn't know yet about this, who will buy conventional bananas, she won't eat the conventional banana. She's like, not interested. So interesting. So interesting. And to keep that intuition and that knowing intact, that, right, that's so important for our children. We're like, oh, eat this, eat this, eat this. You have to finish this. Like, But maybe they're not eating it for a reason. And maybe we need to trust that and stop forcing them to stop trusting themselves so yes 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 amen mama (laughs) (laughs) yes oh so okay so what other volume we've been going for quite a while now this has been great so many different areas what we've been where we've been going which i knew we would because you have so many different life experiences but what what did i just have there saying just like generally out of all you're doing right now, what are some messages that you have for people? What do you think is most important for them to know at this time in the world? Um, what do you want to share? Yeah, I think it comes back to all of it kind of comes back to um, stop listening to the voice of who am I and start asking yourself, who am I? Like, mm-hmm. who am I? What am I passionate about? You know, what is burning in me? You don't have to have an expertise to be part of the solution, right? Um, who am I to change my my behaviors and you know way i eat and be better than my family now who am i i am a you know sacred sovereign spiritual being in a physical body i've only got one life and i get to do something amazing with it or i can just follow the herd in the crowd mindlessly you know um all of the message that i everything that you've asked me about sasha really comes back down to that is that i know wherever you are that if you're watching this and it's resonating with you, it's because your soul is telling you there's something more for you. I always, um, I, in Return to Food, I have an illustration I use that says addiction is the body's way of saying you're not listening to your soul in your life. And so once you start to listen to your soul in your life and you follow that voice and you like, when I said, how can I serve? How can I serve? And, and be bold. Just ask, you know volunteer you know if you're not getting to volunteer because you're unvaccinated i promise you there's so many ways you're needed in the world that you can serve that will not only benefit the world but will help you go to sleep at night and think i'm doing something really good with my life so even if i don't wake up tomorrow morning i'm super proud of the choices i'm making and how i'm contributing to a better planet absolutely what a great message absolutely and and I'm sure a lot of people are not going to bed with those feelings and thoughts right now, right? A lot of people are though. 
that being said, it's not all evil. There's a lot more evil no. than I ever realized. However, yeah. there's also amazing people doing amazing things. And if you haven't found them, there are in your community, undoubtedly, people that are working together and standing up and organizing and just it's time to support each other how we've never supported each other before because we've never had a worldwide event like this affect yeah. everybody across the board. Yeah. So, yes. So I exactly. really appreciate your your effort and your time you've taken with me. Now if people want to get a hold of you, where are the main areas that you would like them to go? So if you're looking for supplementation, go to livingimmunity.com. Okay. If you're looking to beat sugar addiction, um, go to sweetfreedomlife.com. Um, if you're looking for some great recipes, just Google Sherry Strong and recipes. I've got two YouTube channels, which with tons oh, of content and recipes nice. on there. So super easy to find. Um, I haven't been populating YouTube because I don't want to support it anymore because it's such a, a voice. Of, it's such a tool of censorship. Um, but there's tons of material there for you. If you want to find out childrenshealthdefense.ca, um, join, you know, membership and Life Force Canada. They're there. And if you want to um, speak to me uh, directly, personally, it's Sherry at SherryStrong.com. So it's like a strong Sherry only reversed.com. Um, and um, I will, I will help you in the way I can help you. And if I can't, I'll try and find someone who can. Mm, amazing. Such selfless service. Imagine if we all would just give over to selfless service and how much we would gain in that if we did that. So thank you, Sherry. I really super appreciate your time today. Well, thank you, Sasha, for seeing me, acknowledging and giving me, you know, space and airtime, asking great questions, conversing with me and offering your perspective and wisdom and caring enough to do the work and, and having sufficient humility to, to give other people like me a voice. I appreciate it. Mm. People like you make it easy. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right bye everyone i hope you enjoyed that if you did please share and tune in for the next one i don't know what it's going to be yet but it's going to be good you know that so thank you sherry and everyone else for tuning in bye for now okay whoa did i stop recording oh wait i ended it shit oh wait 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 no 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 no, no. cancel 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 hold on i'm gonna have